0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host Sarah Troy and my guest today who's going to be sharing her heart and soul and such incredible journey that she's had in life is Cheryl Ann Wilson. She is a singer, songwriter, an author, a speaker and a seeker. She started her life from very early with experiences that later in her late thirties, were deemed disabled. She brought out uh, the research and the writer as well as a speaker in her and it was initially involved with disability nonprofit where she learned much was consisted in speaking up for the disabled people as well as dealing with the new disabled category illnesses that came into her life she continued being involved in several different nonprofits either being an advocate board of director or president she is a seeker which also took part in community writing and get togethers and always good at english throughout school years she Brought out the writer in herself, and she has written books since 2013. There's four of them here, and one of them is the journal The Fifth. And she continues her uh, spiritual seeking and continues to write about her life. But her life most certainly has been difficult. She's, um, if you know what she's been through, which we're going to be talking about a lot today, you just wonder how she can still have a smile on her face, wonder how. Choose Positive Living could even be the title of this, but it is because she chose to live positively, always seek out what is possible, that there is something more, there is always a purpose to life, there's always something you can do to help people, you can always help yourself no matter how many times it knocks you down. So this is a lady of triumph and let's celebrate everything that she is and has gone through in life. Welcome to the show, love.
1: Thank you so very much, uh, Sarah. Well, to begin with, you know, my home life, I thought, was just like other people's. And, you know, you go to your grandmother's and you meet up again with your cousins and you play with them there type of thing. And uh, sadly, uh, my uh, parents got divorced when I was five years old. Now, my early introduction to creative arts was uh, both my father, who was a film and sound editor, and he was working at a television station when I was very young. And then as I got older, he went out entrepreneurially, and that's where I think I got Mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial bug. And uh, my uh, grandfather, my mom's dad, he uh, was a bandmaster for the Salvation Army Church. And so he was the one in the very beginning that got us singing mm-hmm and um there was something quite interesting that he did when I was five he uh put me on his lap in the car and he put my hands on the steering wheel with his just lightly around them and uh of course he was operating the gas pedal but uh I don't think it was the whole entire way, but at least for one hour, I think, he had me driving the car like that as we went from Edmonton to Lethbridge, which is wow. about a five hour trip. Right? <laughs> so five, five, interesting, right? <laughs> now, my mother, after the divorce, went on her own spiritual search, and she ended up joining the Seven Day Adventist Church and putting us us kids of hers not only at the church but also in the church school and uh, me being the oldest child I had adult responsibilities just automatically put on to me as mom went out looking for work and suddenly a younger cousin came living with us. So I had to get me and my brother and this younger cousin up every single morning, get us ready to go, and we had to travel diagonal from south side to the north uh, west uh, area of uh, Edmonton where the church school was, and that was a long day every mm-hmm. day. Let me mm-hmm. tell you, but I do view that as almost like mother-like, you know, mm-hmm. that it put within me. Now, dad remarried, and so that gave me two younger sisters. Um, Sadly, as I entered my uh, teenage age, there was a man that came into my mother's life, and he ended up sexually abusing me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very sad. That uh, really put me in a fight-or-flight type Mm -hmm. of a mode, and also uh, lots of anxiety and fear all the time and that lasted right up till I was 18 years old and then he uh, married me off to a male that I didn't even barely know and boy oh boy did the actress come out in me then when I look at the pictures now and I think my goodness you look like you're so so happy but on the inside you were terrified Mm -hmm. Uh you know And uh, that was in a farming family, an hour outside the city of Edmonton. So there I was on this, you know, farm, and I'd never lived on a farm in my life. And sadly, I uh, suffered abuse from both that man's mother and himself. Mm. So I ended up getting out of that and going back to living with mom. And mom knew a family in California. And so as time went on, all of a sudden, one summer, she decided, okay, we're going to go on a trip to this southern part of California, which I loved it there. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I guess to me, that was like Hawaii or something, you know, I just absolutely loved it there. And uh, I ended up uh, marrying a son of her friend's. There was three sons altogether. Two were already married. And so while I was there, I attended the Barbizon uh, School of Modeling and Makeup Artistry and was very proud that I graduated with honors. I also took one audition for the soap opera, Young and Restless, which I had watched most of my (laughs) life. And I was so excited and like, come on, God, let me get that spot. But as happens in life, all of a sudden, there was a shift. Mm-hmm. Now, our mother had gotten <laughs> breast and hip cancer right when I was in my teenage years. Um, So my brother phoned and he said that mom's cancer was worse and I needed to get back home to Canada right away. So, okay, back up to Canada and... Uh, I think I was up there maybe a week or so and things kind of calmed down and no mom wasn't dying. It was just a very difficult time period. So back to California and another shift. Drove into the driveway where we lived and the van we were driving was mine. And uh, within moments, can't find my husband. Looking all over the place, looking up and down the block kind of thing. So I made a phone call uh, to his uh, workplace and they were like, oh, he isn't here anymore. And I'm like, oh, really? Kind of thing. And uh, I got told that he had uh, sexually abused some of their senior clients. He was caregiving. (sighs) That was like gulp. They gave me another number to another uh, senior's home. I got told the same thing. And then that was just like, what the heck? And I couldn't phone the third number that I was given. I just yeah. couldn't. I, I, I couldn't even walk across the street to talk to his parents. I, I, I was like, I couldn't face anybody with this.
0: Right, I'm surprised he wasn't
1: arrested. Uh, no, not as far as I know. Mm. All I know is that I threw my clothes in the vehicle. I drove back to Canada and what was really cute was when I got to the border, several of the guards came out in front of the vehicle, all splaying their hands like this and yelling, welcome home, Miss Canada.
0: <laughs> so you knew it was the right decision. That's a
1: memory I hold on to. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be, before you go on, let's, you know, look back at that, because I, I know you told me before that, you know, you found him in a compromising position as well Mm -hmm. and uh, you know that first husband of yours when you became pregnant decided to hit you in the stomach and so you know the the abuse wasn't just sexual or mental or anything like that you literally with the first husband had that physical abuse Um, Mm -hmm. but where so many people get caught up in that abuse and become fearful and retreat you exited each time you exited you know, for you, you knew, I I can't stay here. I've got to go. Whatever I'm going to, I've got to go. That takes courage. A lot of people stay because they become so fearful. They, you know, too scared to move on. But you found that courage to each time and go, I'm not staying for this. I'm going. Even though you may have walked into another situation, but then when you look at the abuse that you had as a child, you were wired for that. You were conditioned for that. So, you obviously attracted those kind of people because that's what. Your programming was but right. you decided to sever that programming when you went home right? because each time you said no this is not me i'm not going to take it that takes a lot of strength and courage in itself
1: it does but i don't think i ever healed properly mm-hmm. and i didn't get proper counseling right i just kind of okay i'm starting over again mm-hmm. right it's the so troop eight, away, right? At <laughs> age 22, I'm back in, you know, Edmonton. I'm starting all over. I'm back into secretarial positions because I was always a really fast typist. And I was thinking that I was enjoying it so much. Then my new stepfather introduced me to a man from his workplace. We seemed to click right away. Uh, got married. He came from a large family which i really really loved and his mother and i got along really well and still do to this day but um as things moved along i was more and more not being able to handle the edmonton winters mm-hmm. so we knew some people from calgary we went down there and we decided that's it we're moving to Calgary. So we did that, and in that new city, four hours south, gentler winters, I thought, my secretarial (laughs) work now had me working for a criminal uh, lawyer, a female criminal lawyer, and my husband was working for security. I got pregnant during that time and had a girl. And um, one of the comedy times during my right out pregnancy was that uh, i knew somebody that was a stripper and so one time me and the husband are in the audience where this stripper is doing her thing and uh, back in those days you know because of the modeling stuff i was still wearing six inch heels Mm -hmm. even though i was pregnant Mm -hmm. right and so i just get up from my seat i'm wearing a dress i'm fully pregnant and i start up the stairs to this long State, and the stripper happens to be turning around at the same time and is just like looking at me and going what are you doing up here <laughs> and I just went I want to talk to you I want to talk to you and I started going across the stage <laughs> you know it was just I don't know I just wanted that that entertainment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's built into me it so must have happy. gone down very well. <laughs> well, she sort of, she wasn't happy, but she kind of worked along with me, mm. but got me Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that three years taught me a lot about Canadian uh, and provincial law. Mm-hmm. I was happy yet stressed. Then a brother-in-law and family moved to British Columbia to Summerland. So, okay, you know how it goes. We start <laughs> going and holidaying out there. And to me, Summerland, this BC area, I thought I was in California. And I was like, I had no idea this existed in Canada. This is wonderful out here. So after three uh, holidayings out there, we decided that's it. We're going to move to Summerland. Now, one of the other unique things of Summerland is that uh, the husband's uh, mother's father and mother were one of the founding families there mm. and uh, that grandpa uh, helped to set up the credit union even there oh wow so here's another life start over right? mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the beginning i was like a nanny for my sister-in-law's children as well as our daughter who was about three now the other day i was looking at a picture of her when she was about four and she was uh holding that sister-in-law's first <laughs> child, a little girl. Well, after a while I got work at a small ladies ladies clothing store, but sadly the boss was, well, I used to say a nasty word in those days and these days I'll say narcissistic, and I just <laughs> had to get out of mm-hmm. there. Then I went to the credit union and during the interview I got told we can't hire you now thank goodness that because of learnings along the way i learned to say instead of why which sends someone to the emotional Mm -hmm. i said what's the reason and the woman said to me you're not a summerlander you don't belong oh goodness Well, at this grandparents place was close to the credit union. I went over there to talk with them and boy, oh boy, did that grandpa go stomping into the credit union. It didn't make any difference, but everybody in town knew what it right. happened. I mean, <laughs> you know, talk about I mean, not racism,
0: but you know, it just, I don't know what you actually call that. There must be a word for it, Where you know, territorial, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like ridiculous, ridiculous, yeah. you know? ah, oh, yeah. yeah it still goes on today I know yeah
1: so all of a sudden I was just the mother at home Mm -hmm. so I tried to enjoy that time period there was a family next door with six kids so it was nice to you know see my daughter playing with them and get to know their parents and stuff And then one day crossing the Crescent Edge that we uh, lived on was my husband's first wife walking a dog. And I simply thought, well, she's there to uh, visit her parents. Okay. But little did I know that she was there to take back Uh. her first husband, (laughs) my husband. And she got him. Oh, no. That was horrid for me. I d- When we split, I didn't want my daughter living with relatives fighting. And mm-hmm. so I just said to her father and his family, you know, within reason, you can see her whenever you want. So that brings me into moving into Penticton where I am now. And it's so amazing to know that all that is 30 years ago mm-hmm. when I moved into Penticton. I was in great poverty. I finally managed to get an apartment way down on the Skaha and near a school for my daughter and I was I was doing all I could to get to know the community. My health just kept getting worse mm. and worse and and I didn't really know what was going on. but I had a blessing. I had a very, very excellent doctor and. Uh, This situation brought out the researcher mind in me. Mm -hmm. I started looking things up and when I'd have my appointments, I'd bring him, you know, the newest that I had found type of thing. And it took about two years and then we found out and he stated, you've got fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue.
0: I relate to,
1: yes. So basically the two of us taught
0: the South Okanagan about this illness, which still so little is known about it. It's, uh, you know, let's pause there for a moment. It's um, it's still doctors don't know what it is, and people don't know what it is. And you know, the, the appearances don't reflect what it is. So people just don't understand that you actually are living in fatigue all the time, you're living in some level of pain all the time, that your battery never recharges you know, the way it does with other people and that you're limited physically and that it's draining on you emotionally because there's 31 points to fibromyalgia. I personally have 29 of them, so I know what it's like and they don't understand every day is a struggle to do something, but also we need to be purposeful. We have to be doing something, otherwise you go down the depressive road, which is also anxiety and depression are very key with fibromyalgia. It took two years for me to be diagnosed as well because nobody knew what it is. And I eventually, uh, my my doctor, Dr. Arsenault was the one of the leading doctors on fibromyalgia in the world. And he was my doctor and we did a show on it where we really did talk about what it is, but it's still to people today. what is this fibromyalgia thing you know sure you can just exercise and diet and it'll be all all right and they just (laughs) don't get it so i i hear you on that one it is just imagine working out at full force and being absolutely exhausted and your body hurting the next day that's kind of where we live at every day yeah right so yes i i understand where you're at with that one love
1: Yes. And then around 1993, 96, a physiotherapist found out that my tailbone was completely broken off and resting inside my body. And at that time on my left
0: hip. But wait a minute, before we go any further, how did that happen?
1: That's what they asked me. And it brought big tears to my eyes because there was two different things that happened to my body that I felt could have caused it. First, when my parents went to some counseling, the counselor told them to get a soft piece of of wood that would be about 12 inches long and that they were to spank us children as old as we were with that stick. And the last time I got spanked with that stick, I was 15. We had wooden open stairs and I was running up the stairs because the pain of that hitting me was so bad. And I didn't want to be hit with that stick anymore. Right. So that probably was hitting right against that area of the spine. Yeah. And then that counselor should be shot. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the first marriage, that mother-in-law, uh, disliked my non-ability to just whammo from the top of my head and hands make bread and buns and all that on sunday and so she uh picked me up by the back of my top and the back of my pants and she would throw me down the stairs
0: oh my god <sighs> So yeah. that's
1: probably the two things that caused yes. that. And when I stated those two things, the medical people said, oh, yes, that's definitely the two things that caused it. Right. So I was placed on morphine. And uh, the morphine for me felt like a big blessing because mm-hmm. somehow with the morphine, I wasn't Quite as fatigued in the morning as I usually would be. And uh, it certainly handled a lot of the pain. I mean, the pain was still there to a certain degree, but it handled a lot of it. Yeah. I still had to watch how much I would do in a day and mm. things. But So during this time, I began to attend a metaphysical spiritual center. Because, you know, in those younger years with mom joining that seven day Adventist church, there she is SDA, there's grandpa, her dad, you know, Salvation Army, and there'd be big arguments going on all the time. And then other religions, I kept and I kept thinking, how come these Christians are arguing all the time? I know. And they're supposed to be thinking, the same way but a different religion name yes same way should be
0: based in love should be based in kindness it should be based in compassion and it doesn't becomes judgment becomes persecution and yeah yeah
1: completely the opposite yes yeah so that brought a lot of positivity and liking myself to my life Uh, The same time I got my daughter into what was called International Jobies, as I felt that that was going to give her quality friends and bring positive life tools to her life. And I really do believe it did that. My mother moved to a small community not too far away from Penticton here. And so she and I began to sell Regal products and Avon together. Mm -hmm. Now, mom was always the numbers person and I was always the creative one. Mm -hmm. Now... I have to jump back j- just quickly for a moment. In 1994, I took a genealogy course. And during that, I found out that on mom's side, we were Métis. Mm-hmm. That we had come from Mohawk Turtle Clan from deep Southeast uh, Toronto and going into the edge parts there of uh, Quebec. And uh finding out all that, and then me looking into what does this really mean and, and, and about the culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that, what's the right word? It just brought such a knowingness mm-hmm. to me. It was mm-hmm. all of a sudden like I knew myself better and understood mm-hmm. myself better. And I, I treasure that. Yes. It was and a revelation for right you. now, there is fights going on with people out there saying that if your family wasn't at Red River, you're not Métis. And right. there's a lot of negative comments about Mohawks on there, I hate to say. Mm-hmm. I just shook my head about that a couple of days ago and said, I'm not going to read this anymore. No. i'm just
0: not going to yeah it's comparison and competition are deadly you know competition should be for the field for the sports um and comparison to anyone is always going to be you know a a judgment thing you know i'm better than you um more important than you you're inferior to me and that is always a negative it's always going to bring out conflict and chaos and it is not peaceful and it is not loving uh, who cares what blood you are? If, if you're all, you know, Native Indian in some way, then you are, right? It's like if a person is black and white, they always a judge where they have one ounce of black in them as black rather than the white, right? So I just, you know, it's acceptance, folks. Acceptance, mm-hmm. and stop this little itty bitty, niggling over stupid things. Yes.
1: Now I forgot to say that once the broken tailbone was found, that was when I was finally placed on provincial disability. Now that was better than the welfare I had been on, but still not much better. And so with doing these sales with mom, yeah, I was learning things, you know, all, all along that I'm grateful for but I still had to stay within the monthly allowable yes. limitations yes. of disability. Which is very little, by the way, folks. 5500
0: a, a year is all you're allowed to earn above that. And with the cost of inflation, along with the pension and disability, it is uh, way below um, living um, you know, money. And with everything going up higher, it leaves people with disability or pension at a, a really high risk
1: yeah it makes things very difficult yes and then in 2001 when i was head of fundraising for a nonprofit and we were doing a hamburger uh uh hot dog fundraiser um sadly i got a brain injury oh my goodness how would you get that i was I, I wasn't using a cane yet i was just coming out the door carrying a tray of hot hamburgers and hot dogs I saw um, the table the person barbecuing and another friend in their wheelchair and I saw that wheelchair's friend's face go sort of like kind of thing and my mind immediately wondered and that was the last thing I knew Mm. when I came to I was seated at the table and there were so many people around me and pushing down on me and I just kind of what's going on, came up. And that's when they told me that uh, that particular uh, grocery store's um, uh, wooden sign that was a specials sign came off its hooks in the wind, came around and hit me right here in the temple area on the left side. Oh, wow. So naturally, I ended up, you know, going to a brain injury group to learn about it and how to live with it. And as I was doing that, um, 2001 was when I decided okay, I've got all this nonprofit experience now from all this volunteerism that I've done over the years. So that's it. I'm going to start a nonprofit in this area for people with fibromyalgia and mm. chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. So we called it South Okanagan Fibromyalgia Association so that its short word would be. Sofa, given that's where we most ended up. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that I did that. Um, Again, lots and lots of, you know, learnings as you're meeting with and talking to other people. And during this time, I got a big life blessing. A man came into my life who could play guitar, sing and songwriting. Oh my goodness, this was an even bigger click than that marriage to my daughter's father. We began singing together and practicing together. Then we became common law and we continued on as a classic country couple. Mm -hmm. And we sang all around these Okanagan parts. And for me, he was my soul mate. My creativity had me make him Canada's Hank William uh, tribute artist, and he got ACD made. Now, during the day, he was a vacuum cleaner for a certain local company. And one particular uh, day when the secretary wasn't usually in, he was working on a vacuum from a brand new contract. And she heard him yell out in a not natural way for him because he'd been in the Marines. So he right. was one tough guy. Mm-hmm. Sadly, there were 20 needles within the fin- both uh, fingers on both hands. So he got hep C from that. Mm. And eventually that's what he died of in September, 2013. Mm. How long did you have together? Ten and a half years. Ten and a half years of bliss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really wonderful. I'm glad you had that.
0: You know, considering um, all the other horrors glad, that
1: you had, I'm glad you had that. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm sorry, I just gotta look at my notes here. <laughs> oh yes. So it was probably during the last of his days and uh, along 2013, I decided that from all the people that I talked to in person and online, the main thing that kept coming through to me as I listened to these people was that, wow, wouldn't it be really great if they had a daily reader that they could read. Mm-hmm. So I did some research into that, and I saw that, guess what? Nobody would ever written one. Mm-hmm. and I was immediately, dear God, dear God, please, <laughs> please, 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 don't let this get taken away from me. Right. So I was working on that, and like many do, I, I made a deal with a certain publishing house, and so when I got my initial copy... Oh my goodness, was it heavy? <laughs> and I worried about that heaviness. And uh, then I went over to the art center where, over time, I had also been taking some uh, writing groups. And that's when I learned that, oh, they told me things have all changed to self publishing now. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. get away from that publisher. So my hubby that was dying he paid the fee to get me away from the publisher and of course I started looking at Amazon etc and uh, you know looking more into self-publishing and um, sadly when the hubby died while I was in the ambulance the ambulance worker said I had a stroke but nobody ever ever told me What did I do when I had this stroke? What did this mean for me? I had to literally just look that up online. So when did you have the stroke? You you don't know? It was in September 2013. And and that was at the time that your husband died? Yeah. That was taking him to the hospice place in the ambulance. Brought on by stress, most likely. Probably. Mm. Most likely yeah so then the combination of the brain injury and this stroke Mm -hmm. going into 2014 caused a type of a seizure which i can never remember the medical name of and so due to that my driver's license was taken away Mm -hmm. and as sad as that was financially things were just getting far too tight to afford insurance and gas yes Um, my next shock was February 2014, having my disability totally taken away. And I didn't know the reason. Yep. Now, once again, thank God for my volunteerism I had done. So I went to a main society here who has free legal advisor person. And that person explained to me that uh, there's a human rights-breaking rule that gets applied to all in Canada on provincial disability. It's called spouse in the house,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the basis of it is that uh, when that person on provincial disability enters into a common law or marital relationship, or even what some what the term they use now is marriage-like relationship. When someone of community goes to any ministry office and basically tattletales that Mm -hmm. on you, you immediately lose your disability. And the end words were for good. And he told me that meant forever.
0: Well, Mm. naturally,
1: I just fell apart. Yes. Yes. I, I was just, you know. So... That legal advisor looked at me and he said, you know, I've got boundaries around my work that I do here, but because I've known you for 28 years, I'm going to fight to the nuggins for you. Mm-hmm. And he did. It took till 2015 for him to uh, get me, well, we'll say welfare, but that only paid rent and utilities. Yes. But to me, that was a God doing because that was right in July, when my mother died of her cancer. Mm.
0: All at once, everything piled on top of each other. So
1: um, I survived otherwise by eating at a local soupateria that provides a lunch meal seven days a week, a little bit from the food bank. And uh, I was forced to use a credit card for any Mm over-the-counter items that wasn't Provided by any nonprofits in town. Well, that adds up, you know, because there I I was using it for that and using it for business costs. And so, um, summer of 2014, here I just managed to get my spring and summer daily readers onto both Amazon.com and Amazon.ca. Now, the interesting thing there is. Oh, most people know that, oh, to put your book up on Amazon.com doesn't cost you any money. But guess what? If you go to put it on Amazon.ca, it costs you money. Mm-hmm. So why? that went on to the credit card as well. Why, why is it the, the .ca costs money and the .com doesn't? I don't know the reason. I've asked over the years and nobody's ever given me. No, there aren't there aren't any human interactions there. Everything is automatic. The way it is. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So I was under huge stress and anxiety, you know, of course. And uh all of a sudden I couldn't pay the low monthly on the credit cards. Mm -hmm. So that was becoming a debt in my life. Um More and more, I got into praying and meditating. I kept getting the strong soul feeling like I was to continue writing. And so I began to look for other writing opportunities. And I actually forgot to put it beside me here. But in 2015, I wrote a book with another person. And uh, we received an award for that Mm -hmm. book. And time goes fast, volunteering at soupateria where I was volunteering now and making sandwiches three days a month. And that would be three afternoons of meditating and soul care, because of course, after doing that, you know, my body was just too tired. Yeah. So 2018 and ongoing, I learned of Make a Change Canada, who exists for all Canadian disabled adults who wish to be entrepreneurs. So 2018, I took the most of their courses that I could. Then 2019, I managed to get all four of my daily reader series for those with fibro and chronic fatigue, both in ebook and print format upon amazon.com. Um, I also, got creative because of other things that I saw happening, and so I created a four-by-six, 200-page line booklet called the Indigenous Woman's Journal. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been, in 2018, in a business partnership with another disabled female writer. That came to a close. And so June, 2019, I had to start my entrepreneurial path all over again. Mm Now, 2020 and 2021, I decided to write open poetry. I found out about uh, Pauline Johnson, who was a Mohawk woman. And uh, she wrote open poetry, and I loved her poetry. And every time I looked at her picture, I had this strong feeling of, are our souls blended somehow? Mm -hmm. I always go through that feeling with her. So in 2020, um, all of us volunteers at Supateria were called away, of course. We Mm -hmm. don't want you to get it, so don't come in. And so I started writing open poetry as many times as creativity would hit me. And I'm proud to say that uh, back about three weeks ago, the local art gallery was having a poetry mic thing that night, and I won third place. Wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah, I was very pleased. Mm -hmm. So recently, I newly learned about making what's called an Amazon author page. So that's got a picture of me, you know, a biography and shows any books that I've made up to date. And it's got a certain address to it. One of those Uh, books is
0: showing on your show page, by the way, with the link to that Amazon.
1: Well, recently, this last Saturday, I learned about something new. It's called Linktree. And the beautiful Mm -hmm. thing about Linktree is that when one goes to it, They'll see my picture and then there'll be the several different areas like like, I'll I'll call them almost like lines. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can press on one for the website. You can press on another for the YouTube page Mm -hmm. or the other pages that I have. And I really love that. And it's a free program and, and a free training that I got for that. So I was very glad about that. Now, also in 2020 and ongoing, I found the best web coach for myself, and I I try to promote her as much as I can. Her name's Catherine Calhoun. She is a techie specialist and has great patience and understanding, and she has things laid out in a step-by-step way, which shows one where they are in the process of building their website. Mm -hmm. Now... My plan, as you knew, was for me to have my uh, lead item and following email um, and web landing page completed for today. But situation happened whereby if God and the angels, etc., were not working. I would have lost absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. You know, when you're spiritual and you're doing your praying and meditating, Creator works in a very mysterious yes. way. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. And just to put it short, somebody that's supposed to be the cleaning person in the apartment building I live which was this building was built in 1969 so it's a fairly old building in uh in a little closet room they had an eight by ten box absolutely filled with rags soaked in Varsal why Varsal is a paint thinner yes why are they keeping it Uh, well, based on all the negative and evil things, this person has done to me since the day I moved into the building when I didn't even know them. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. All, All I know is that I did end up calling 911. The firefighters were the ones who found this. They listened to everything she said, which anybody with a common mind would know this person was lying like crazy and basically we saved the building from being burnt down wow because there was two other tenants that are on the same level which is below me and uh they had been claiming that since the wednesday before that they had been smelling something awful but couldn't put their finger on right it. Mm-hmm. and she was trying to sabotage everybody i mean what was her reason behind it i don't know there's been a for sale sign in front of the building since july 5. one of the tenants was told by the realty manager that there's been no interest in the building so i had somebody quippingly say to me oh maybe it's for insurance right exactly who knows yeah yeah only god knows right well, now they they know, A, they've caught it, and B,
0: also a warning out there, you know, to kind of keep doing, everybody keep being vigilant, because if they've tried once, they may try again.
1: Yeah, and it also means that there's both a fire fire hall and a police record.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing what people would do without any, you know, care at all about the lives that it affects, and you know, you've talked about narcissism earlier, and there are so many people that it's just about themselves, you know, their own self-greed, their own self-interest, and they really do not care. It's very psychopathic because they have no feelings for anyone else as long as they're all right. And we have too much of that in the world, far too much of it. And it's, it's time, you know, for certain people, it's, it is a condition that they, you'll never be able to ignite the heart or in Mm -hmm. like the soul you just can't they just don't operate from there at all and they're a danger because they have no conscience whatsoever but that's not the excuse for the most of humanity we all have that conscience we can all step into compassion we have a heart where we can care not only about ourselves but other people and it really is time that we step into it because we're seeing so much discourse in the world right now disruption and disease And, uh, you know, chaos and that chaos is looking for order. It's looking for calmness, but that calmness starts with us. And, you know, one of the things that you've done throughout your life is that you've faced every adversity and every challenge and going, okay, all right, I've been dealt this. How do I, you know, I'm going to research how I survive it. What do I do with it? How do I move forward? And you've always looked for some form of purpose. To keep being belonged to you know I, I can only think of that had life been different for you where truly you were supported as a child with all the gifts that you had within you and if that was supported and nurtured what what you would have been and what you would have done in your life
1: but despite that well let's you know, talk you... <laughs> about that for a minute because you know my mother at one point in in I'm trying to remember how old I was. I think I was 12 or something like that. And she put her and my brother and myself as a little trio. And there was a fellow that uh, played piano for us. And, and once again, there was that love of music, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember that I was the soprano. Mom was the tenor. My brother was the bass. Do you want to switch okay. that off? I have it stuck under a pillow I was hoping I've got (laughs) sound going right round but you can hear it
0: still (laughs) that's okay we'll stop in a moment
1: but um you know all through school years I was always in you know church and school choirs Mm -hmm. I was always in theater plays uh I wish that in Penticton I would have kept a better record because I know that I was in 40 theater plays here Mm -hmm but I don't have all the details on them. Mm -hmm. That's all that I can say about that. And one of the last ones uh, involved a lot of singing and I really, really enjoyed it. Now my daughter is 38 and uh, she's wanted a baby for quite some time. I'm very proud of her. When she graduated from high school, I kind of giggled when she immediately went to school to become an RN. Mm -hmm. and I would giggle and I would say oh my goodness no wonder you became that with everything you dealt with with me
0: right yeah exactly
1: uh, her and her husband are up in terrace now and my daughter has the position of uh, fourth from the top of northern health which basically means she's in an office about a block away from the hospital she's in charge of all the nurses and a list of other staff
0: mm-hmm
1: so she's wanted a baby for I, I remember her being in my apartment here at age 35 and she was crying and telling me how badly that she wanted a baby and I really felt bad for her you know and I have prayed for her all along well Christmas of uh 2020 all of a sudden on Facebook, her and her hubby were announcing to everybody that she had become pregnant. Wonderful. And naturally I asked, you know, were you told the possible birth date? And she said, August 2nd. And I went like, would you say that again? Mm-hmm. And she said, August 2nd. And I said, oh my goodness, that's my birthday month. Mm. isn't that interesting here i was a leo raising a virgo and now you a virgo are gonna raise a leo (laughs) yes
0: it's always funny how those type of things really are not too far removed yeah yeah
1: well with the the you know modern day electronics and all that that we have she uh, sent me her second set of uh now i'm gonna forget the name where they take the pictures of the baby ultrasound, and, you know, ultrasound. I looked at the middle picture something just grabbed me to keep staring at it mm-hmm. and when I did I basically said to myself that looks like a man's hairline <laughs> and then I just kind of went like this and when I told my daughter that's what I saw and felt she was like oh, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. And a few months later, all of a sudden again on Facebook, they're like, we just got told today what it's going to be. Do you want to know? And I just typed yes in the field when she phoned me. And I said, well, what's it going to be? And she said, a boy, how did you know?
0: Yeah, that happened with me. My daughter became pregnant March of last year. And, uh, and after my initial of, uh, you know, absolute euphoria you know, of finally becoming a grandmother, and I said, and it's a boy. And it's like, honey, no, mom. I knew all of my kids. You know, my, my ex-husband used to say I ordered them. I, I knew all of their sexes, you know, kind of had them pre-named. And I said, it's a boy. And sure enough, there's a wonderful little grandson of five and a half months right now. But it's just... That's called the knowingness that you referred to earlier. You know, you don't you're not coming from the head's knowledge. You're coming from the heart and soul and yes. and you just know and you don't know why. You know, you just know that's the knowingness.
1: Trust the knowingness. It never lies. Yes, that's right. That's right. So you, well, he's born there, now. There's other ways that those above reach out to oh, us. Oh, yes, because- definitely. My grandson was born on Sunday, July 25th at three in the afternoon. I phoned my brother way up in Fort Nelson, who was being a a caregiver for the Indian band for all seniors up there. And um, we had a great conversation that Sunday night and he was so excited. About my daughter's baby Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, when my supervisor gets back the end of August, that's it. I'm going to take a trip over there and, and, you know, see the baby. And I could just in my mind, I could just see him. Mm-hmm. He d- he had a certain smile on on his face that would just you know draw anybody. Yeah. He was a comedian. <laughs> yes, out of all of us. Yes, and he had the greatest bass voice. Mm-hmm. I even had said to him that Sunday night for a second time in a in a couple of years. I said, you know, I said you're such a good comedian. It would be so easy for you to put like just a little half hour act together and have yourself videoed and you could put it online. Mm -hmm. And I said, people would go crazy for you. Nah. And I said, you know, your bass singing voice is up there with the grades. Nah, you don't know what you're talking about. But sadly the Tuesday morning on the 27th, I got a shocking phone call that morning to be told that my brother was dead from what only 58 died from a heart attack. Mm. Now this is where information in genealogy and knowing family health comes in. Mm -hmm. Because when I was speaking with the coroner telling me this, that's when it was like, Okay. Mom's dad, Grandpa John, he had a heart attack when he was 50. Then he got remarried to a lady with six kids and had a wonderful life. And I'm pretty sure he was either 75 or going on to being 80 when he had a heart attack that took him. But our own blood father, he had a heart attack that put him in the hospital at age 60. And within a week, had a major one in the hospital and died. Mm-hmm. Now, Ninth- I just turned 60 August 19th. So I admit to you that I had my dad on my mind a lot mm-hmm. and thinking, it's too young. It's too, uh, too young to go yeah. so to get this call about my brother. That's right was like, oh, my goodness. And it caused me the question, how much time do I have? How much time do I have? No, 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 you don't think like that. And I Um, had to tell myself, stop it. Yes, exactly. I'm I'm turning 67
0: in a month and my dad died at 45 of heart disease. He had his first heart attack at 40. In those days, they told him, oh, you've got three months to live. And so he, he was a fighter pilot in the wars and he was a racing car driver and a yachtsman. And he just kind of pushed himself. Had he changed his lifestyle? he would have continued to live, but instead it was come on death. And within, you know, four years from there, he died. My brother had a heart attack in his 60s, looking after my mum, who was bedbound at the time, um, I you know, I've said with God, look, you've given me asthma all my life, eczema, fibromyalgia, numerous other things. No, I'm not going cancer way, which is rampant in my family or heart way. You've given me enough. And I think it's like we, you know, We look at the genealogy and yes, it's there. Like cancer is very, very rampant. My sister's just about to go through yet another operation just before her 80th birthday. And it's, but we have to kind of say, not me, not me. And you know, I got given this, which is, you know, with fibromyalgia, there is no cure. It's something you just have to manage. And it's a lifer. I've had it 24 years now. I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. It's going to get more challenging as I get older. But as long as I can still be purposeful and productive in any way, then that's what I'm going to hold on to. But no, don't feed the the heart attack because it doesn't mean you're going to get it. You right. know, it's, it's just being aware of it though cuz you had that stroke being aware of it then you know the things that you need to do to protect your heart and that's the important thing yeah but yeah it's way too young for you know people to be taken and and it's you know and and it's always seems to be surprising when you think oh there's no history there or there's no reason for them to be and then heart we're looking at cancer and we're looking at covid and we don't realize that heart attacks are still I don't know if they are the number one or if cancer is the number one, but it's way up there and that we don't do enough to look after our hearts and a broken heart and a stressed heart and an unhappy heart could easily cause a disease as well. It's called dis-ease. That dis-ease wears on the body and it goes to the vulnerable organ and it starts breaking it down. So your happiness is your wellness And it's really important to live in your happiness.
1: Yes. And that's something that I've probably been learning about for the last five years is to be happy from the inside.
0: Yes. Yes. It's an inside
1: out job. A girlfriend of mine that actually has been hospitalized many times for her pain She taught me something interesting. You know how they'll say that uh, one of the things you can do in stress is just stop yourself Mm -hmm. and do that breathe in. Yes. Breathe out. Yes. When you breathe in, say peace. Yeah. When you breathe out, say love. Yeah. And you know what? It's amazing how calming that is. Those two words like that, she was right. That Mm. helps to reduce
0: pain. Yeah. Well, where does the pain come from? It's coming from a certain anxiety around whatever area the pain is in. The more anxious you are, the more tense you are, the more you're going to escalate the pain. So it is like, how do I bring it down? And the first thing we say in any form of breath, anxiety, anger, shock is take a breath. And it's at least three deep breaths of breathing in releasing the anxiety and then breathing back in and then just taking that moment to be still. No action, no thought, no nothing. Just be still, be present with yourself. Feel your heartbeat, feel your breath. Let yourself receive the knowledge from the wisdom, the soul, which works through the gut, to the heart, to the spirit, then to the mind. But if you go into the mind, you're going to go into the turmoil. Because yes. it's, but what if, but what if, right, when you come from the soul, which is the divine truth, uh, and it resonates with the heart and the spirit goes into action, the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. So there's always that deep breath, shutting all the other outside noise off, and just going into self, calming right down forever long you need to do it, and then going, I'm asking you to show me what I need to see.
1: Yes. But don't think it, feel it. <laughs> yes. yes. Now here's another thing about spiritual. When I was taking a short walk on Sunday, suddenly there was a black feather that fell on my walking path. Mm. Now, because of things that I've learned over time, I picked it up and I admit that I had to look up what it meant because mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. And, uh, it says that this is feathers are a direct deli- line to the divine, a show of force from the heavens that they are listening to your prayers, your wishes, and your desires. And a black feather is a symbol that your angel is in defense mode, uh, keeping away evil, negativity, and all the forces that want to stop you. Now consider what happened Wednesday. Yes,
0: busy, yes. And now here it is. Yes, someday. but and also then, to add to that. Um, so, furthermore, uh, Sorry. Oh, okay. All right. I just wanted to interject. Your matey, your brother was matey. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at it also very much as your brother looking out for you.
1: Well, I was just going to say that that's another part yeah. of the meaning that they say that it could be a lost loved one yeah. looking in on you, offering you protection and keeping yes. you strong. And I very, very
0: strongly feel that was your brother. He's looking out for you. And, yeah. you know, the feather is is also very much the native Indian way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel very much it was your brother. Definitely looking out there for you so the thing is is that we're never alone and if we get out of our heads again and step into our hearts and souls we feel the presence yeah you know of our loved ones of other beautiful entities and we realize we can ask for help and then get out of our way and let them give it to us in the way that we meant to need it
1: right yes it's not always easy but yeah no
0: no because our head our intellect wants to step in all the time but this is just trained information trained knowledge the wisdom is to know how to use and access that knowledge not -hmm. to get stuck in the knowledge which we do as human beings we get stuck in the higher intellect but if we don't have the wisdom to understand how to use that intellect it's
1: just data that's right that's right but i'm moving forward in my spiritual area and my entrepreneurship And I have a huge empathy for others. And uh, I very much want to assist women. Women who, you know, really wish to uh, spiritually go into themselves and find what I call soul talents. Their life vision. Mm -hmm. And that will help them to know their soul purpose. Because that's something that I learned about again in the last five years is about our soul purpose and that's why we're here that's why we're here and when you've got that then that brings you peace happiness love and abundance and you can bring more of that to the world exactly that's what I really want to do and to be an example to other disabled women so that they will come to me and I can assist them as well that they're not going to be wherever they are thinking oh I'm just disabled and I can't do anything anymore they're
0: not just their disability their disability is their life challenge but it is not a definition of who they are
1: well, my grandfather's spirit in 2013 brought something very clear to my mind that was a big help. The, the uh, disability nonprofit I was working for when I got the brain injury, they within their name spelled the word disabled, lowercase d-i-s, capital A mm-hmm. on the abled. And that was what made me pray and meditate yeah. and go into myself and that's when i came out with hey you know writing comes fairly easy yes. easy to me um i've been speaking and singing since age five mm-hmm. and i want to uh continue on with all three of those things. exactly
0: because that was the gift that you were given another person uh, that i interviewed put it beautifully differently abled Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot because we're all able. We're just differently able to what the norm is. So there's things we can't use, we can't do, but we're able to do these other things. And sometimes I think for spiritual people, some form of disability is a gift um, because it takes us, it it makes us really tune into our body. But at the same time, it makes us really tune into our heart and soul and understand the gift that we really, because everybody is a gift. You know, you've been given your creativity and your artistry. Doesn't matter what you've done has come out in everything that you've done. The singing, the speaking, the writing, the researching, the ability to look at something and go, "Okay, I need to understand this so I know what I can do with it and how we can benefit from it. So you've not given up or given in, even though you've had some many, many hard knocks every time you've got up and go, "Okay, what do I do with this? Where do I take it? How can it benefit me? How can I be there then support of others? And that's your strength and your courage is exemplary, exemplary to others. Thank you. No excuses. You, you know, you, you have plenty of them to give up and give in. And so many people do give up and give in because they become their disability. Instead of looking, I'm differently abled, I'm disabled. So therefore I am my disease. I am my trauma. I am my life experience instead of my life experience and the trauma and the disability that I have has just made me differently abled and more gifted and in tuned in a different way. Should I allow myself to take that path? And you have instinctually taken that path.
1: Yes, I have. That doesn't mean that there hasn't been time when, you know, I didn't move forward in a faster time. Right?
0: No, you're allowed to be knocked down. Sometimes it takes much harder to get back up. I know. You know, It's even though we know that there's always a reason for something, sometimes it just is longer to get back up, longer to get that energy and that, okay, all right, what does this mean? What am I meant to do with it? It's just like, come on, folks, I'm tired. I don't need any more knocks. But it's because they know of our inner strength because they know that we have that courage to face it, that they keep giving it to us. It's just like, can I retire now? (laughs) Can I just have some peace and comfort now? But for as long as we've got the fight in us, they keep giving us the challenges because that fight is not just for us. It's for other people as well.
1: Yes. Now, in in uh, we'll say Aboriginal world, A lot of times you go to the elders because you're getting Mm -hmm. wisdom from the elders. Yes. And uh, so the elders around here gave me the name Matey Angel. Mm Mm-hmm. Lovely. so at one point I literally asked their permission because I wasn't sure if it was okay and I said okay you've given me this name but would it be okay if I use this name along with other words I might choose for a business and they said oh yes absolutely yeah because it's so, the reason you were given it is to so manifest that, something <laughs> that's the reason that at, at this point I've given myself the business name of matey angel artistic muse
0: Mm -hmm. wonderful and that artistic muse is definitely something that can take people down many many different avenues um so you you're on linktree slash matey angel yeah and that is uh, so it would be you know triple w dot linktree slash matey m-e-t-i-s-a-n-g-e-l
1: Actually, one has to be careful with the spelling of the link tree mm-hmm. because it's not just the word straight out like that. Yes, it's there after the L-I-N-K-T-R dot
0: E-E. Yes. Uh, that's it, right. And so
1: capital M on the matey angel, and that will take you to what I described, a picture right. of me and then links to all my social media and my website. Right. And, of course, Facebook meeting angel muse and uh instagram
0: wilson sherry um sherry Ann cheryl ann and uh, then you've got your youtube with everything on there and you've also got a beautiful you've got all of your books here on amazon so anybody just puts in your name you know, just uh, Cheryl Ann Wilson into selfdiscoverymedia.com search engine and her show will come up and you can also see all of um, her books that are on Amazon. You've got all of the books here in a banner. Click on that link and it will show you where to buy the book and everything about each one of them. But you've also got a wonderful free gift for everybody. So tell everybody about that.
1: Well, I put together a type of a workbook that uh, is going to help people in their beginnings to begin to take a look at some of these areas that we've been talking about, you know. And uh, one of the biggest things is that you hear this in marketing, but it has to happen for us personally as well, that we need to know, like, and trust Mm ourselves. So within the booklet, I talk about trusting yourself. I talk about knowing yourself. I also talk about the spiritual instincts that happen. You know, a lot of us loosely will say, pay attention to your gut feeling. Yes, yes. And so there's just some words and, you know, some areas in there that they can write some of these things out to give them a beginning to the betterment of life.
0: Right. I mean, you know, So many people are at a crossroads right now, because this last 18 months has certainly shaken us up and we're nowhere near out of the woods on many levels right now. And, you know, we're going to face many transitions in our lives. And instead of like, Oh, the door closed to me, what do I do now? You simply open another one and be willing to in wonderment, you know, explore what the options are. But if you know who you are, why you are and what your gift is you will understand which door to open and what to do when you open it so the first and foremost thing is know thyself right
1: yes knowing thyself is so important and what a big thing that did for me is that when I'm amongst other people it's just like take me as I am because I'm not putting on any you know airs or anything yeah. Take me As around. Popeye says,
0: I am what I am, right? <laughs> yeah. I am what I am. And, you know, if we can all go through life just representing ourselves from the inside out and not live up to an illusion or a facade, we would take an awful lot of pressure off ourselves. And it'll be so much more easier for other people just to see you for who you really are, not an illusion of what society has thought that you should be.
1: Yes. And the other thing I keep consistently learning about is that maybe at a moment of, well, like this, this building happening that, that took the time away from me to finish my to-do list where probably over the weekend I would have had the website live. And saving your life was a little more important i had to look at it that hey just a minute here just a minute here remember something you are at where you are meant to be at and a lot of times there could be either another piece of wisdom or consult, or it could be something somebody says in speaking, writing, or something you hear in a song that gives you that next aha moment yeah. of what am I to do next. Right, exactly.
0: And you're not going to do it if you're in confusion of head. You can only do it when you're in calmness of heart. That's right. hmm Thank you so much for sharing your story here today. You certainly had a roller coaster life, but the underlying of it is is that creativity of yours and the the exploration that you have within you has always had you searching, that there's something to learn from it. There's always a solution. There's always got to be something better. And you've always allowed your creative juices to come out and show you the way. And as I said, so many people would give up, but no you stepped into your strength and your courage you didn't give up you didn't give in you always looked for what's the purpose and what am I here to serve or who am I here to serve so thank you for being like that
1: well thank you so much for having me on your show it means a lot to me
0: and to everyone else that's hearing this, that's going through something, you know, it's we do have the strength and the courage in us. Uh, look at the, all the things that she's had. She's kind of glanced over it like very, you know, matter of fact or, you know, this happened to me. But each one of them was a trauma and each one of them has had its physical effect. It came out beat her up in the body, but not in her spirit. Her spirit got stronger all the time, her meaningful purpose got stronger, the fight for the injustices, and for the people of the downtrodden got stronger. And we can all do that because sometimes fighting for other people, we realize we're fighting for ourselves as well. So for all of you out there that are on that brink and not knowing where to go, learn from this beautiful lesson here today that we can do it. It's all a question of choice It's igniting that heart and soul within us. and knowing there's always something more that you were given this challenge to discover that strength, to discover that uh, courage, to discover an ability that's going to take you to the next phase of life. Because after all, we have many chapters in our book of life, don't we, love?
1: That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us today. And to everyone else out there, may you find the strength and the courage and the abilities that you need in your life and that we will benefit from. So until next time, bye for now.